A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lippincott resources, visit amsa.org WK. Have you thought about what makes medical school worth the effort to you? Why is it your right fit? What do you tell people when they ask? Welcome to AMSA AdLib. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. In a recent episode of AdLib, we heard one story from a story slam hosted by AMSA trustee Perry Tsai. In the first half of this episode, we'll hear a story from Stephanie Smith on how the pursuit of a career in medicine became personal for her. In the second half of the episode, Perry Tsai shares his secret recipe for the stories you've been hearing and explains their value in medical training. I've been pre-med for a long time. I'll Several of you here have known me for quite most of that time that I've been pre-med. That's for a lot of different reasons. Some of it was indecisiveness when I got out of high school. Um, A lot of it was just life. I started off in community college, and about my second semester in community college, I found out I was pregnant. I was 20 at the time. I was not prepared to be a mother. I still don't feel prepared to be a mother. I can barely do this adult thing by myself, let alone take care of two other little ones. But shortly after I had Caitlin, I moved on to a four-year college and started my pre-med track. And I continued to go to school, um, and I worked full-time. And then I had another daughter. And during all this time, I just kept plugging along. And it was stressful, but it's worth it. There's been a lot of times where people have asked me, well, why, why would you want to continue to do this? I mean, why do you spend so much time in the library, so much time studying, so much time away from your kids? The number of times that are like, where people have said, oh, why don't you go to this school event when I was trying, when I was at the library studying for an exam, and they just make you feel really guilty about it. And sometimes you feel like a really bad mom. I have probably my worst bad mom moment though was um, last year when my daughter was seven. And it was summertime and my kids had gotten scooters for Christmas. Um, so I was making dinner and the kids were going around the block on their scooters. And as I'm making dinner, I hear this crying at the end of the driveway. And I don't think too much about it because Addison is kind of a, she, any kind of bumps or scrapes that she gets, she just screams bloody murder. So, but Caitlin comes, just kind of walking in. I'm in the kitchen, and Caitlin comes in. She goes, Mom, Addison fell. I'm like, okay, well, just give her a minute. She'll probably just get up, and she'll be all right. So I continue to make dinner, and then she's still out there crying. So I asked Josh to go check on her. So he goes out there, and he brings her back in. Addison, she comes up to me in the kitchen, and she goes, Mommy, it hurts. And I look at her arm, which is where she scraped it a bit. I'm like, okay, well, go get a bag of peas out of the freezer and just put some peas on it because, well, the peas were great for an ice pack when you don't have anything else. So she took a bag of peas and went to the living room, watched TV, when I continued to make dinner. So the ice seemed to help, or the peas seemed to help, and she calmed down. And it was about probably about 45 minutes later, and I'd finished making dinner, and I went out to the living room. I'd gotten everybody's plates, and I sat down next to them. So 
As I started to eat, I looked at her arm and I moved it. I kind of extended it a bit to just kind of make sure that she had her movement. All of a sudden there was a pop. And then I looked at her elbow and there was a little dimple right above her elbow. And I was like, well, that's not normal. <laughs> that's not good. So since I had moved it, it started to hurt her again. Um, so I was like, okay, well, she's not bleeding. So I don't think she needs to go to the emergency room. So he took this shawl, uh, a scarf, it's one of my favorite scarves, my daughter loved it too, and I fashioned a splint out of it and just kind of, you know, put it around her shoulder to keep her arm in a good position and keep it close to her body so that when we were driving to the urgent care, it didn't get jostled. So we went to the urgent care, they took x-rays, and her humeral head was broken completely in half. And they thought that they might have to do surgery. But they, uh, we went to the orthopedic doctor the next day, and they just put it in a cast, and after three weeks in a cast, she was okay. And uh, some people have asked me, you know, do my kids get in the way of schooling? But that's not the case for me. My kids are my, one of my biggest inspirations to continue going to medical school and continue to be on this path, because I want to look at them one day and say, hey, I'm a doctor. I had you guys. I raised you, and I still am a doctor. And you can do whatever you want to do when you grow up. So this was June. Shortly afterwards, I started taking my EMT class. One of the lessons we do is splinting uh, joints and everything. And so I found out that the sling that I had fashioned for my daughter's arm was exactly the way that the EMT is trained to do. So that just confirmed for me my instinct for medicine and going into that field. And I am going to be applying to medical school next year, and a lot of you probably guessed by now that I want to go into emergency medicine eventually. Stephanie's story was presented as part of a Story Slam session organized by Perry Sai, AMSA's Vice President for Programming Development. Here's Perry talking to AdLib's Pete Thompson. Perry, tell us a little bit about uh, what these events are. I mean, how does it work? Sure. Uh, so I've done a couple of story slams uh, at my campus at UNC Chapel Hill School of Medicine. And the inspiration behind these was The Moth, which is a storytelling organization, nonprofit organization um, nationally, where they organize these story slams across the country, um, inviting people to come and tell stories. And uh, the specific format is uh, stories told live on stage without notes. And I've been listening to the moth. They, they publish a podcast um, which has recordings of those storytellers and those stories. And I've loved them. They've been fantastic stories um, that really um, dive deeply into people's experiences um, and uh, lessons that they've learned um, and perspectives that I've never known about or heard about. And uh, the more that I listen to those stories, the more... I start to realize that um, people in medicine have a lot of their own stories. Uh, people in hospitals, obviously with patients, we collect the stories from them, and that's usually more formally in the history taking that we do as medical students and, and as physicians. Um, but not just that, on the other side, the medical students and uh, residents physicians all have really compelling stories from their own paths in medicine, either coming up as pre-meds and medical students um, or in their experiences on the clinic and the wards um, or their experiences uh, during 
medical school, either training or in lecture halls. And I knew it was a huge fountain of stories that we could tap into, um, not only for the sake of story, but also for the sake of learning from each other. Because I've noticed that when we organize ourselves as medical students and as advocates um, working towards goals, you can tell each other things about like, you know, these are the goals, these are missions, uh, these are things that worked or not worked. Um, but the real compelling part in meeting with other students across the country and um, learning about what they do is in the stories that they tell and, and the narrative of how something shaped and how something formed and how a mission started one place and then ended in another. And you might have had these little detours and ebbs and flows along the way, um, but you still had this trajectory and, and this uh, place where it ended up. And that's the compelling part. That That's the story that you hear, and that's where you learn about how things happen and how things progress um, and how we do the work that we do. And stories are a really great place where we can learn from each other. Everyone is sort of on the same journey. We're all on different steps in the journey. Um, but stories are the way that we relate to each other, uh, the lessons that we've gained along the way. And it's also the way that we connect with each other and hear from each other the things that we share in common, but also the interesting things that uh, set us apart um, and the ways that one person might have learned something or handled something and offering that different perspective that another person might not share or might not have experienced. So I had the idea of organizing these story slams uh, within our school of medicine, within our community. And I styled it very much like the moth or like other storytelling events, um, storytelling organizations. Uh, and I recruited people from my uh, school of medicine, from my school of medicine community, including students, residents, um, faculty, staff, um, people from the different levels of the school of medicine, because uh, I knew that there were different stories and different perspectives from all of those sides. And what I did was I had like a nominations form, um, which I asked people to either nominate themselves or nominate other people that they thought might be um, a good candidate to tell a story. And I organized a place to have it. We had this great uh, bar slash restaurant in Chapel Hill called Linda's. And they have this really fantastic space on their um, downstairs floor called the Linda's Down Bar. And it has a stage and um, you can there's seating for the audience. And then there's a bar there too uh, for serving drinks and food, um, which I thought was a really nice touch and like setting up this intimate environment. And they also have a stage. Uh, with a light, and they had their mics set up uh, for audio. And once I had found that space, then I needed to find my storytellers and coach my storytellers. Um, so as a director or producer of the event, um, I came up with my storytellers. Some of them were nominated, some of them I knew personally, uh, and I sort of tapped them on the shoulder. And I listened to their story. That's what I did first. I, I was like, what is the story that you want to tell? They told me, and then... I took that and I became curious. As a director and as a audience member at the same time, I became curious about, okay, what about this piece? What about this other piece? And 
the in terms of role as a coach, what I did was I basically asked them like 68 questions about, so, you know, where do you think this part came from? Uh, how did you grow up? What part of your childhood or your uh, being raised or your hometown may have influenced this part of your story? And how does the story fit into your larger narrative? Um, which I think is a really compelling part. And I asked them these questions. I came back uh, with feedback and this potential structure for their story. Um, and that's how I develop, helped them develop their own story and help them tell their own story. Um, and this is still, I don't claim any ownership of their story, but I'm there to help them shape and mold what they're going to say on stage. And then, and then we just did it. We ripped it and, and rolled with uh, the storytellers that we had. And it was so much fun so much fun I, I enjoyed it a lot like we laughed a lot we thought a lot it was a lot of it was very provocative it was I think a moment and one of my storytellers said this great thing she was she was like the April she said she was the last storyteller of that night and she said uh and she's a resident so she came in and was like mostly medical students were attending she was like I don't know anybody here and but April was like but now I feel like I know all of you, because you've shared these stories and you've shared these personal parts of your lives. And um, it, it was this immediate venue for connection between people. And I, I really appreciated that part of it, that immediate connection that you can make by telling a story and by hearing a story. How do you think storytelling as a skill is important to our members and to physicians in training in general? I think the ability to tell stories is, is so critical to what we do as physicians in training. So some of the more obvious examples are the way that we interact with patients. Um, when you're taking a history, you're basically trying to figure out a patient's story. Um, not only their clinical story, but their life story a little bit too. And you know, when you end up going to present that patient on the wards, that's also storytelling. You're digesting and mapping and structuring the pieces of that patient's history that you've taken and putting it in a rational series of events that helps you explain or diagnose or assess or plan for the future. Um, so all of that is storytelling, essentially. I also think that storytelling is really important as physicians in training because it's the way that we represent ourselves and it's the way that we explain our mission or our goals, uh, particularly in advocacy. So as a professional development skill, um, when you write a personal statement, for example, you are telling a story. You're telling a story about yourself. And the way you tell that story is incredibly important to getting your message across and uh, trying to really reveal your whole person and your whole self in an application package. And that is important for pre-med students, that's important for med students um, when they interview, when they write personal statements, um, when they present themselves to their peers and to their faculty or to their mentors. Storytelling is also incredibly important when we look at areas of recruitment, uh, membership engagement, um, and advocacy, which is some of the big things that we do as AMSA members in, in the organization. Um, so one of the things I learned coming up as an AMSA leader um, and learning things at our Building Out Foundations uh, retreat 
um, is sharing your story and sharing your narrative and letting other people know why AMSA is important to you and how AMSA has fit into your story as a physician in training, um, how AMSA has fit into your narrative and how AMSA has pushed you along these paths to become a physician leader. But also another way to use narrative is to advocate for a certain cause or a certain goal and telling stories about either yourself and your own experiences or uh, people whom you're advocating for and telling those stories such that someone who's listening to you will relate and will get it and will be able to connect with an advocacy mission that you are advocating for. And the way to do that is to tell a story. And I think the ability to do that and fostering that ability is really important in developing ourselves as physicians and as physician leaders. Are you interested in sharing your story live before a friendly audience? There will be a storytelling session at AMSA's annual convention held March 31st through April 3rd, and we'd love to have you join us. Watch for more details to come. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself with help from Carol Clark. Special thanks to Perry Tai and AMSA's Board of Trustees for letting us listen in. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Deborah Hall is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lipicot resources, visit amsa.org WK.